You don't think Decker did it, do you? Carla asked as I drove her home. Unless there's a witness that puts Deckard at the house right around the time of death, he was checked into the hospital that same night. It doesn't feel right. Could have been guilt, like John said. He kills her and then he goes home and strokes out. Maybe. Well, my money's on Stanley. If our illustrious sperm sprayer somehow found out that Crystal meant to put the kibosh on a sweet deal, well, that makes him a prime suspect, along with Deckard. Think about it. Stanley working on that crew means they're pulling in way more money there than with him being on the night crew with Crystal and Sally. Not to mention the money he might have been making on the side for organizing those Mexican workers. But what I don't get is how things are running with Deckard in the hospital. How's everyone getting paid now? She was pulling everything together pretty well, asking the right questions and coming to sensible conclusions. We'll find out tomorrow when we interview Stanley. Might have something to do with the subcontractor thing. The more responsibility Deckard gave Stanley, the more his hands would be on the financial side. How so? If the company that caused the spill hired Deckard originally, but he then subcontracted it out to Stanley, Deckard might have a separate account set up to deposit money into for Stanley's overhead. Mm. Overhead meaning the transport, lodging, and feeding of a bunch of Mexican guys who are working on Stanley's subcontracted cleanup crew. Exactly. I slid into the driveway behind her car. Meet me at the office in the morning and we'll make a plan for the day. Hey, you don't happen to have that hard drive and number on you, do you? Carla pulled the baggie out of her purse, handing it to me. What are you going to do with it? Put it back. Cops need to see it. I'll call Lash and suggest he send someone in to look for it. Isn't he going to be pissed when he finds out we snuck in there? I shrugged. Probably, but he should be more pissed that his guys didn't find it. Carla shook her head. What a tangled web you weave, Detective. I see how it works now. You do your thing, but your ass is covered, because Lash can't exactly make a big deal about the detective sneaking into his crime scene and pilfering evidence that his own cops weren't able to find in the first place. That's about it. Hey, just so we're clear, the next time you have a question about me, I'd appreciate you giving me the courtesy of asking me first, before breaking into my house. Would you give me an honest answer? She thought about that for a moment. I guess I'm as likely to share things with you about my past as you are with me. But if you happen to find yourself in a quid pro quo kind of mood, you let me know. I left Carla at her house and made a quick trip to the Bell crime scene. I went straight to the bathroom and grabbed another pair of latex gloves from the box. I took the thumb drive out and wiped it down thoroughly. Then I went into the living room, opened the top desk drawer, and grabbed one of the envelopes I'd seen earlier. Using one of the pins from the drawer, I wrote the phone number on the envelope and put the thumb drive inside. I tucked the original scrap of paper in my pocket. Then. I folded the envelope in half, shoved it into the purse in the closet, and left the way I came, this time locking the basement door behind me.
When I got home, it was too late to call the number on the card I'd found at Carla's house. So I made a note to do it first thing in the morning, after contacting Crystal Bell's cousin. I looked over the Deckard file that Carla had emailed, complete with a few paragraphs on her conversation with a reporter at the Detroit Free Press. Then I made myself a drink and looked over the little I had on Carla herself. It wasn't much. DMV info, no arrests, no warrants. Her home had been paid for with cash, no credit cards. Even her cell phone was one of those untraceable track phones you can pick up anywhere. I'd noticed that while rummaging around in her purse for the keys the day I took the impression. I checked my watch, 9.34. I'd been putting it off, but I knew there was no getting around it. I called Lash at home. Yeah. Lash barked on the other end. Just a couple of questions and then something that'll probably piss you off. Which do you want first? I asked. Lash sighed. What do you want to know? He knew the drill. This was a dance we'd done many times. I asked if they got any prints at the Deckard house. A partial off the butt of the knife. Probably a thumbprint. Crime scene guys said it looked like someone did a sloppy job of trying to wipe it down. Side prints were smudged, but at least we know they weren't wearing gloves. Doorknob was wiped clean. They think it happened pretty quick. No forced entry that we could find. So they think she let someone in. Probably someone she knew. And it happened right there where she fell. Then the perp wiped everything down and got the hell out. Emmy thinks the killer was about the same height as the victim, based on the angle of the wound. Yeah, partial is good. I tried to sound positive, but we both knew better. Only if we've got the print on file that matches. But get this, that knife? We don't think it was from the scene. Killer must have brought it. Didn't match the set in the kitchen. The ones in the chopping block were all still there. There were a few knives in the drawer, but they all matched. Standard kitchen knife, right? Yeah. Looked like one from a set. Steak knife. Serrated. Bottom of the handle is flat. Cut on a diagonal. That's where they found the partial. What about the time of death versus when Deckard was admitted? They're really close. Too close to call from the M.E.'s perspective. Deckard was admitted at 9.47 p.m. And the time of death for the girl would have been around the same time. Give or take a few hours. Won't help us much. He could have killed her and then went home and stroked out. But unless we find someone who puts him at the house that night, we'll need more than that. One more thing. Did you notify any next of kin for the Bell Woman? We think we've located the parents, but they're in some Amish community down around Holland. We're sending someone over in the morning. So, I had to inform the cousin. Great. Okay. I took a sip of my drink. Now what did you do? Well, let's just say you need to send someone over and check the purses in the back of the bedroom closet. The one closest to the wall. God damn it. What you find won't have any prints, not even crystals. Which will be hard to explain, I suspect. Jesus fucking Christ, Morno. I know. I doubt you'd have found anyone's but crystals on it, though. It's a hard drive with some pictures and a phone number. There's a reporter for the Detroit Free Press involved. It has to do with an oil spill on the Kalamazoo River and some illegals working on the cleanup. I squinted and pulled the phone away from my ear. 
Son of a bitch, Morno. You're killing me. Two goddamned weeks till I retire, and you just climbed up on my desk with your pants around your ankles and took a huge shit. I felt for him. This wouldn't end up being a simple homicide. The oil leak angle brought with it certain political aspects. Certainly, the powers that be knew there was a cleanup in the works. Some were probably even aware of the immigration status of the workers. But it could have all gone down quickly and quietly had Crystal Bell not got herself killed, leaving pictures on a hard drive and a reporter chomping at the bit for a story. You should probably get a hold of that reporter as soon as you can, I said, smiling into the phone. Oh, should I? Fucking Morno, you're not invited to my retirement party. up on the couch with a pain in my neck and an urgent need to piss. After the ladder was taken care of, I made a pot of coffee and sat down to make the call to the daycare center. I was just about to dial the number when the phone rang. It was Carla calling from my office. Okay, so we've got an interesting development. Sally called me bright and early this morning here at the office. Jeez, what time did you get in? Seven. Listen, she says that we shouldn't come out tonight because Stanley's not coming home. Apparently he's got to work a couple more days in Kalamazoo. So here's what I'm thinking. Don't do that. When you start thinking, I feel the immediate urge to start drinking. She ignored the comment and continued. Why don't we head down to Kalamazoo and get a look at that work site? See what's what. Maybe catch Mr. Premature Ejaculator off guard. I'm sure he talked to Sally, and she told him that we were planning on coming out. You know what else? She said the cops asked her to come down to the station for an interview today. Mm-hmm. Interesting. If Lash was already on them, there might be something there. Do me a favor, I said. The woman who hired us to look into Crystal Bell, we need to call her and give her an update on the case. So, what I'm hearing is that you want me to do that. She doesn't know about Crystal, yet, I said, wincing. Oh, come on, Morno. Is that really in my job description? It is now. What am I supposed to say? You'll figure it out. I've only had to do it a couple of times, but I can tell you there's no script for that sort of thing. All right, fine. You can let her know that we're working on a report, and we have a few interviews to do, but tell her the police are investigating it, and as soon as we know something, we'll get back to her. I hate this, and right now I hate you. Nah, I'll do it. Just look up the number for me. No, I'll do it. But we're going to Kalamazoo, so get your ass together and get in here. My reason for having her make the call had less to do with passing the buck than a desire to see if I could track down more information on her. Now, I'd have time to make the call she'd interrupted. I refilled my coffee and then dialed. A chipper voice answered on the third ring. Kids play. Can I help you? 
There was a lot of background noise, a television playing some sort of children's show with loud, obnoxious singing involved. Yes, I need to speak with Lucy Rios or Bethany Keene. This is Bethany Keene. Can I help you? Hello, Mrs. Keene. My name is Dex Morneau, and I'm a private investigator. I'm trying to track someone down, and I found your card in a bag of her old belongings. Carla Danning. Hmm, that doesn't ring a bell. Is Lucy Rios there? Maybe she would know. Lucy Rios no longer works here. I was under the impression she was the co-owner of Kids Play. She used to be. She sold me her portion of the business. Do you know where I might reach her? What did you say your name was? Bethany Keene sounded extremely suspicious. Dex Morneau. I'm trying to track down Carla Day. Yes, I heard you the first time, but I'm afraid I can't help you. Lucy moved away six months ago. I don't know where she is, and I don't expect to hear from her. Six months? I'm not sure what else I said to her before I hung up. A buzzing sound started in my head right around the time she said Lucy Rios moved away six months ago. It was like being assaulted by a loud rush of white noise. I powered up my laptop and did a Google search to find out the location of Kids Play. Once I established the location, I used the search terms Lucy Rios and Florida. It was a fairly common name and I wanted to narrow down the search. I found an old Facebook page for a Lucy Rios in Florida that appeared to have gone idle. The profile picture was of a blonde kid hanging upside down on the bar above two swings. He looked about nine or ten years old. The last posting was five months earlier, one in a line of condolence-type postings. Sorry for your loss. We're thinking about you, Lucy. We love you. On and on like that for three pages. I went back to my previous Google search and scrolled down finding the name Lucy Rios on a link to an Orlando Sentinel article. I clicked on the link and was routed to a news article. I read it and then had to sit back and let it all sink in. It wouldn't sink. I got up and brought a bottle of scotch and a glass over to my computer desk and read it again before doing a court records search. Two drinks later, I had the basic story a story that settled into my gut and was burning a hot, acidic trail up my digestive tract all the way to my throat. About eight months ago, Lucy Rios arrived at the home of her ex-husband to pick up her ten-year-old son. She found them both dead. The crime was investigated. The police were pretty clear on who did it, but there'd been no arrest. Lucy Rios' second husband, Lorencio Rios bludgeoned her son and first husband to death. He remained at large. The picture accompanying the article confirmed it, snapped at what looked like a press conference. The blonde woman standing just to the right of Orlando's chief of police was Lucy Rios. Carla Danning was Lucy Rios with red hair. I poured another drink and downed it in one gulp. 
then dialed Lash's number. Bordeaux, I'm up to my pits and bullshit at the moment. I need you to get me a police file. It'll be out of Orlando, Florida. Is this about? Now, Lash, just make the call. Has nothing to do with your case. It's personal. That stopped him cold. I never asked for anything personal. Give me the info. I read off the names of the victims, gave him the date of the crime, and the name Lucy Rios. He told me he'd call me back, and then hung up. It was almost an hour and three drinks later that I got his return call. They're faxing the file to your office now. No, goddammit, Lash. What the hell? I could tell he was losing his patience. Never mind, sorry, my fault. Thanks a lot, Lash. I hung up and immediately called the office. Come get me, I blurted as soon as Carla answered. What? Why are you here yet? Because I'm drinking. Leave now and come get me, all right? We'll go up to Kalamazoo from here. My chest felt tight and my pulse was racing. By the way, I called the cousin, and I will not be doing that again. Carla, now, pick up your purse, walk to the front door, lock up the office, and leave now. Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? All right, all right, I'm coming, Detective Fuckhead. Jesus. She hung up. I turned off my laptop and the coffee maker, threw on jeans and a t-shirt, then went downstairs to wait for her. As soon as she pulled up, I knew she hadn't seen the file. She was steaming mad. Had she stood in the office and watched reports and crime scene photos featuring her son and ex-husband roll out of the fax machine, the look on her face wouldn't have been the sourpuss she was shooting at me now. What the fuck is your problem screaming at me like that? She hopped out of her Honda and slammed the door. She wore jeans and a Red Wings t-shirt. Lock up your car, we're taking mine. That heap of scrap metal doesn't have enough leg room. I asked you a question, Morneau. She opened the car door, yanked out her purse, rolled up the window, slammed the door a second time, then clicked the car locked with her key fob. I thought you were in a hurry to get down to Kalamazoo, I said, probably too casually. She favored me with a look that suggested a punch to my midsection was not out of the realm of possibility. Instinctively, I backed up a couple of steps. So your response to that was to drink three quarters of a bottle of scotch and then call me and order up a fucking ride? She pointed to the bottle tucked under my arm. I shrugged. That about covers it. I didn't count on her using the purse. It had a long strap, so the space I'd put between us wasn't sufficient. Jeez, woman, what have you got in that thing? Gold doubloons? I rubbed my jaw and stared at the bottle that had slipped from under my arm as I clambered away. It was now a cracked pile of glass swimming in a puddle of scotch. Now we have to stop at the liquor store in addition to the office. What do you mean the office? I just came from there. She swung the sedan's door open and tossed her weapon inside. 
I threw her the car keys over the hood. Forgot something. Don't worry, I'll run in and get it. You can stay in the car and pull out that handy notebook of yours. Start getting a list of questions together for Stan. I already did that. And if you've already got your questions together for Wayne Grove, you can run over to the liquor store and procure a bottle of their finest scotch while I get what I need at the office. See, we're making better time already. I pulled a few 20s out of my wallet and handed them to her. I'm putting in for a raise. I'll be happy to give that request all the time and consideration it deserves. She started the car and gunned the gas. Easy, you're gonna flood it, I yelled. Well, if you had a car that was made this century, I wouldn't have to tap the gas two times and say three Hail Marys while simultaneously doing Kegels and holding my breath every fucking time I start the thing. 